Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today. Please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can now play this podcast on any Amazon-enabled device. Just ask Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Treniglia from Apple Podcasts. Before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review. Doing this really does help us grow the show, and you can get featured for your review on a future episode. Okay, and we roll on to episode 122 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest is Antonisha McRae, Nisha, as she likes to be called. Nisha is a student-athlete engagement coordinator at Texas A&M University, She also has spent time in similar capacities at the University of South Florida, at Old Dominion University, and with the NCAA. A few of the topics we get into in today's conversation include what she learned about life from growing up in a single-family household, how collegiate athletics provides a sense of family and community, a detailed breakdown to her relationship building process and how you can use it to your advantage, what finding a mentor can do for you as a mentee and how you can add value to the mentor, and how student-athlete development and engagement prepares student-athletes with life skills they need once they graduate. As I do with most of my episodes before we begin, I do want to highlight the mentor-mentee relationship-building process part of the conversation. It's about halfway through today's podcast. I thought that was a really impactful portion of the talk and you get to hear Nisha talk about how she's built even a friendship with her mentor and she talks about ways they bounce ideas off of each other how they ask each other difficult conversations show gratitude just ways to make it so that the mentor mentee relationship is more than just a transactional relationship and I can speak From my own personal experience as well, Carl Olson from Penn State, Larissa Anderson from Missouri are a couple that pop into my head right away. They are mentors that have repeatedly given me their time, and I know that in ways I have challenged them to think a little bit more critically and a little bit more strategically about some of the questions that I ask related to leadership, related to culture development, all of those things that we talk about here on the podcast. And I show my gratitude every single time I at least send an email follow-up at the very least. Just let them know that I am very thankful for the time that they have given me time and time again. And I will say that the process for me finding a mentor, I've had to play around quite a bit. Some people that I thought were going to be good fits didn't end up being good fits. Some people that I still think could be a really good fit have ignored me. So it doesn't always work out. You have to be willing to reach out. And Nisha talks about in this conversation how she doesn't let the fear of rejection hold her back from reaching out to folks 
that she thinks can really be impactful for her and her career aspirations. So definitely a worthwhile conversation to listen to. You are going to love this. Let's dive right in and let's discover our talent altitude. Here is my talk with Nisha McRae. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest with me is Antonisha McRae. Nisha, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks, Carlin. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Yes, I am so happy that we get to do this and talk about everything that you're doing at Texas A&M with student-athlete engagement, but we're jumping a little far ahead right now, and before we get too far along with all that, I want to give you first an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Um, so I would say that I am a sports professional first, um, but to go back a little bit, I'm a daughter of a single parent household. So you know how that goes. I'm always looking for ways to grow and learn. I got my bachelor's degree um, in psychology, and then I got a master's degree in sports psychology. So that's kind of a little bit about how I am able to do the work that I'm doing right now. Um, I never was afforded the opportunity to play collegiate sports just because I didn't think that that was an avenue for me. I played, I ran track and field in high school, and I did a lot of other sports growing up um, just to get a taste of what I like to do or what I didn't like to do. But for myself, I just wanted to be a little bit more behind the scenes. So that's how I kind of got into student athlete development and trying to be able to give back to student athletes and athletic professionals in general. So it sounds a little bit like in your childhood and through your adolescent years that maybe there was a desire to do a little bit more in terms of athletics. And maybe if you had the knowledge that you have now and you were able to go back to your teenage years, you might think about even doing maybe track and field, like you said, in college or something along those lines. Where do you think just growing up with some of the challenges that you mentioned in a single household and some of the challenges that you said that come with that inherently, what do you think maybe the the disconnect or the biggest challenge was for you to be able to figure out kind of what those next steps looked like throughout your life? Um, I definitely do think that I could have been um, a student athlete in college. I think my mom she just allowed us the autonomy to make our own decisions. So when I said, mom, I'm tired of going to track practice. This is not my thing. I don't really want to do it. She was like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, force you to do it. Um, So I think that if I kind of looking back at it now, um, had the opportunity to, I think I would have taken it a little bit more seriously and put a lot more effort and time into it just because of the doors that it does open But I do think that with my unique background and just thinking like, well, you technically weren't a collegiate um, student athlete, I think it also brings another layer of just empathy because I can understand a little bit because I did know what going to practice was after being at school all day and you just wanting to hang out with your friends, but you really can't hang out with your friends because you have to be at practice for two hours 
But I do think when given the opportunity, like if I had to do it a different way, I think that would have been my go-to. But I think really it helped me open doors and tell my story when I've been applying to jobs of just like, no, I'm not a student athlete, but at the core of it, being able to build relationships is really what my job is about. So I think having that piece of just connecting with others helped me throughout my journey, I would say. Sure. And that's absolutely an important aspect to everything. So I guess you would say that the biggest lesson you learned, or maybe the lesson that you want to teach, maybe someone who is in high school and is listening right now and wondering, do they want to take that next step to the collegiate level is there are opportunities to do that first off, but what those opportunities may unlock, whether it's a scholarship or Uh friendships that you can develop and different things like that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's definitely what um, I'm getting to is collegiate athletics does open up a lot of doors for you to kind of build leadership to get a sense of like family if that's something that you've never had before. And then it also just gives you a sense of community. College is super big and a lot of times people don't have that coming in. But if you're a student athlete, you automatically automatically get it your freshman year. And I think what happened for me when I decided not to um, do collegiate athletics, I went another route and I joined a sorority in college. And that also provided me some stability and fun as well. So yeah, obviously, there's a lot of opportunities outside of the sports world. You don't just have to go down into the athletics rabbit hole. There's plenty of other things to do on a college campus as far as extracurriculars go. I want to then talk a little bit more specifically about your experience. And when you get onto campus and you decide what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. And ultimately you get to the point in your collegiate career where you have to start thinking about what comes next. Did you always know that more school was coming next? Like you wanted to go get your master's degree or did you want to just kind of jump into the working world and try to figure things out before you went any further? That's a good question, Colin, because (laughs) when I decided to get my degree in psychology, I first wanted to do like counseling and helping people just work through their issues. I didn't really know that working in collegiate athletics was a thing because I wasn't student athlete. So I didn't know that that was a a avenue that I could go into. But my junior year, I believe, I was picking out my classes and one of the classes was an intro into sports psychology. And I was like, what is this? Like, (laughs) this is cool. So I ended up taking the class and I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I made a connection with the professor at the time. And I was just like, is this really a thing? Like, do people actually go to see sports psychology just to help them with like motivation and how to like offset bad games and things like that? And he was like, yes, it's not as prominent or in your face as other sports jobs, but that is a thing that you can go into. Um, and then he advised me, like, you are going to have to go and get a master's degree. So if that's something that you're looking forward to doing, you can go and do that. I think when he told me that I knew for sure that I had to get into a graduate program at that moment, but I didn't know if I was going to do it right when I graduated because I graduated a little bit earlier than what I was supposed to um, because I had AP credits. 
or if I was going to take some time off and then go back to grad school. So when it came down to it, I did take a year gap, a gap year just to go home, be with my family, because at the time I was taking classes in Georgia and my family lived in Florida. So at that point I was like, I just miss my mom. I miss my sister. My little brother was just starting to walk and stuff. So I was like, let me just go home and kind of catch up with them. But then when I got home, I realized the pressures of, okay, you got to start planning for grad school and where do you want to go? Are you going to take the classes online? Are you going to move again? So there's a lot to think about, but I'm super glad that I did get a master's degree in sports psychology just because when I'm advocating for myself, a lot of the times, a lot of my peers, they will have the different degrees in sports management, sport business, um, and communication. So when people say, oh, what did you get your master's degree in? And I say sports psychology. They're like, oh, explain to me like what that looks like just because I'm not going the typical clinical route. And how, how does this fit into what I'm doing in my day-to-day life, in day-to-day work? Absolutely. And so you talk about the gap year. And mm-hmm. I think that, to your point, there's a lot of pressures, whether you take a gap year or not. And it doesn't literally have to be a year. It can be however long you want. Mm-hmm. But just to use that phrase for ease sake. And there's a lot of pressure in society to continue school or to get that job that's supposed to set you up for the next 30 years in life. And I think both of us are at the point in our lives where we know that's just pretty much not the case. It doesn't quite work out that way. And you have to take some steps back and you have to move some things around and shuffle in place to get to where you want to be ultimately. But as far as the gap year goes, is that something that you would recommend to people? Like, do you think that that was ultimately one of the more helpful things that you did was to take that time and to step back? Or do you think that it is something that can be a deterrent? So I guess, you know, just from your personal opinion, is that something that you would recommend to people? I honestly would not recommend taking a gap year um, just because when you want to work in the space of college athletics or even professional sports, a lot of the time they're looking for you to have that degree, but also to have that experience. And I think I decided what I wanted to do, but I'm also a very motivated person. So even though I took a gap year when I knew that I had to get back and I had to learn kind of like the hard way that you actually need to have your master's degree. You need to have at least two to three internships before people are actually considering you. So if I had to tell something to my younger self, I would have definitely said, Nisha, go get your master's degree right when you graduated. I was 21. So I could have quickly just nipped it in the bud and did a couple of internships right after I got my master's degree. But for me personally, I do think that it works out in my favor just because at that time I was I had a lot of pressure on myself because I was getting ready to graduate with my master's degree. And I didn't know what I was going to do because my school was in a typical NCAA institution. So we didn't have any sports there. But so that made me think of innovative ways to like connect with people in the sports realm and reach out to people that would help me to get the jobs that I do have right now because of the genuine relationships that I did build. But if I had to say for somebody else, I would definitely tell them, go right into grad school, get it over with (laughs) and do your internships. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love this. I think that 
the aspect of going back to school, getting your master's degree, like if you've gone to college and you're gone through that experience of applying for schools to get your undergraduate degree, then you kind of already know what to expect, right? Like it's not too much different from one to the other, but getting internships, for example, because you mentioned that for this career specifically. So if somebody's listening to this and this is the type of career that they want to pursue, it's a combination of education plus experience is what going to open up doors for you and ultimately let you work in this industry. So as far as internships going, getting that hands-on experience, what's the process and like, what do we do to ensure that we get those type of opportunities? How did you go about that? I would say first and and foremost is to make sure you are actually having people that can advocate for the work that you're doing. And that's kind of hard, right? When you don't have the experience or nobody's hiring you because... (laughs) you have to have the experience. right? So what I would say is just to make sure that you have people in your corner that can advocate towards your character. And I think a lot of the times that will translate into transferable skills. So you may not have experience in X, Y, and Z, but I've been able to help, you know, a boss with collecting data or coordinating an event. Um, And they've been able to see like, oh, she's going to put the time and that effort. I think that's first. And then also just understanding how those stuff that you've done in your college career slash post-graduation can also be something that you can really highlight when you're trying to get an internship. I know a lot of the times people are saying, okay, well, you don't have this experience, but how can you really leverage what you do have and make it sound nice and make it sound good um, so that we're like, okay, she made sounding working at X, Y, and Z retail company sound really appealing. So I know she can do the work that we're doing right here. And I think that's the biggest thing that I would say when you're trying to get internships is just make sure that when you're applying to those positions, that somebody can advocate for the work that you're doing, because we all know you can't get experience until you get your foot in the door. 100% agree. And to your point there, for somebody to advocate for you, especially on behalf of something like your character, they actually have to get to know you. And you've alluded a couple times to relationship building and not just how important that is to get a job or to find opportunities, but how important it is, I think, to you personally, just to be able to develop relationships with people and understand them and how you can help them as well. When it comes to building relationships. How do we do that as effectively as it seems like you have? Because I think a lot of people do struggle in this area and get a little bit more transactional than they need to be. Uh And I think the biggest thing is you wanting that relationship. I think sometimes people do make it super transactional and they want, well, if I know this person, then, then I can get to know this person. But if you're really taking it from like a humble perspective where you're just like, I want to learn what you learn. I know I want to learn what you know. Um, And that's kind of the approach that I've always taken when it's time to get to know people, especially because when I was trying to get my first internship, right when I got out of grad school, I didn't have any connections in the collegiate athletic world, but I knew that's where I wanted to go and put my foot in the door. So what I did was I just reached out to different people to see if they could potentially mentor me or if they could give me some 
you know, open advice of like, what can I do and some steps that I had to take. And what really helped me was I used my connection with my sorority to reach out to the mentor that I have right now. And I really just came to her from a, like I said, humble beginnings and said, hey, I'm really just trying to find a way to get into college athletics. I don't have any background. I've been applying to these different internships and I keep getting no's. The doors keep getting shut in my face. I just (laughs) need to know, like, what do I need to do? And I just really said, I'm open to anything that you're willing to help me with, any advice, anything like that. And luckily, I got a good one because when I tell you my mentor, she just opened up so many different doors from what I should be doing, how she was able to get started and just things like that. So it just really helped me. And then I didn't give up. So like if it was two weeks that went by and I haven't heard from her, I would just reach out again and say, hey, can we talk about this topic? Or I would see a job posting. I would say, hey, do you know anybody in this particular department that I need to know or should I know when I'm going to have this phone interview? Um, And then everything that she told me to do, like different organizations, she told me to join different research things that she did told me to look into I took it seriously so when we did have our phone calls and she was asking me different questions she knew I was prepared and that showed her like I can trust Nisha she's going to do great things and that's kind of how we've been able to build on it and you know four years later she's like one of my closest friends now that's so awesome and I want to talk a little bit more in detail about the mentor relationship in just a second here but Uh It seems to me that part of the relationship building process for you, at least, was putting yourself out there and doing things similar to what I do on a pretty Mm -hmm. daily basis. And I've been doing this now for, I want to say, five, six years, probably around like 2015, 2016 or so, where I really started to use things like LinkedIn and Twitter and just the internet in general to make connections with people I would have never had the opportunity to meet otherwise and just have conversations, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes they go a little bit longer depending on how how well you click and just see what they do, see if there's a way that you can be of value to each other. Obviously go in there with some type of purpose, like you don't want to just waste people's time, but it seems like you're just willing as a person to put yourself out there and to either take somebody ignoring you or take rejection if somebody says no. And that might be half the battle or more than half the battle for most people is just to say like, hey, you need to reach out to people, whether you know them or not. If you want to talk to somebody, just reach out to them and see what happens, like have a purpose and see what happens, right? Is that is that a good thing to probably practice a little bit more? Yes, I think that's One of the things that I guess people sometimes, I know I was a little bit fearful because I'm like, "Mm, I don't think this email sounds professional. I'm (laughs) reaching out to her on Twitter. Like, is she going to respond back? Like, I just don't, I just don't know. But if I would have never reached out, I'm not saying I wouldn't be here, but the amount of good people that I've met in this industry wouldn't have because she's connected to so many great people and she's been a very big advocate for me. So like, it's just timing and intentionality and being aware of like, you have to put yourself out there or you're always going to be doing the same thing. So you got to have to kind of let go of that fear and just say, this is what you want. So you have to let people know this is what you want or they can't help you. Hey everyone, Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. 
The Dynamic Leaders Podcast is here to help you be a better leader, and the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com. That's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. Okay, back to the <laughs> mentor relationship. It sounds like from what you described that you have a great relationship. And like you said, somebody who has even turned into a friend after four years. And I'd love to know, so you talk, you described to us what you get out of the relationship and the way that she's helped you evolve and open doors and find different opportunities. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the other side, if we can, and for you to tell us what you provide in this relationship and how you're able to be someone that this person wants to continue having conversations with and even develop a friendship with. Yeah. Um, I think what it, when it comes down to it is I offer a lot of perspective. I'm always looking for innovative ways to kind of come up with um, topics and ideas. And at the time we both worked in the same space of student athlete development, student athlete engagement. So we would kind of bounce ideas off of each other, but I would always try to come up with something that she hasn't seen before. And I think one of, when I took my strengths quest test, one of my key strengths is like futuristic. So that's just me always thinking two steps ahead, thinking in the future of like, oh, we could probably do this or how do I go about this? So I think every time that I was able to have those conversations with her, she was just like, oh, I learned something new today when it is an opportunity for like her to learn something from me and not only me learning something from her. She knew that I was going to bring something to the table. I always had an article ready. I always had really good questions when it came down to like our more formal mentor mentee meetings. And I always would just ask those difficult questions. I think sometimes um, when you're in a role where you're just like a mentee, you're just like, Oh, well I'll wait for my mentor to ask me if I have any questions, but ask the difficult questions because then it allows her to think a little bit deeper and it it allows her to be like, Oh, I've never thought about it this way. So um, I know Nisha is looking for this answer. So let me, say, okay, I don't know the answer right now, but I'll come back and I'll help you with it that way. So I think every time I had the opportunity to have some of those more formal meetings with her, I was able to kind of push her to think like, okay, let's think about it this way so that I can help Nisha in X, Y, and Z way. Yeah. And thank you so much for providing that because I think even myself, I'll throw myself into this to be included. I think we struggle with how we're going to provide value to somebody that we admire, somebody that we look up to. 
And sometimes it's as simple as you are allowing that person to do the work that they were meant to do. They are meant to be mentors and to teach and to guide people. So there's nothing else that you need to add. Sometimes we make it a little bit too complicated. But to your point, some of the things that you did was give her opportunities to think a little bit more critically and bring different ideas and different perspectives to the table and just show that you were so interested in what you were learning that you were thinking in ways that may be different. And that probably challenged her in ways that she probably didn't even imagine going into the conversation. So there's a lot to that. And I I really appreciate the insight into that because I think that'll help a lot of people who are looking to develop these type of relationships. I think that was the biggest thing. And just always letting them know that you appreciate their time. I think people think that Saying thank you is like a lost cause, but just showing gratitude is super, super key. Like sometimes um, when I got more and more comfortable, um, just picking up on some of the things that I know she liked. So like if she would tell me like I really had a hard week and, you know, this was something that I had to struggle with or anything like that. And I knew she liked Chick-fil-A. I would send her a handwritten note and I would put a Chick-fil-A gift card in there and send it off. And she'd be like, oh, my gosh, Tisha, (laughs) you just made my day. I try. I try. <laughs> That's a really great point to wrap up this point of the conversation with is if you show gratitude, that's going to go a long way because so many people don't do that. And unfortunately, that will make you stand out. So do that. And that goes a long way towards developing the relationship as well. Yes, yes. All right. So we've talked a lot about how you've gotten to the point where you are in your professional career. Now, I want to talk more specifically about the work that you're doing and why it's important. So can you first tell us a little bit about what student-athlete development and engagement is all about? Student-athlete engagement is really the life skills portion of college athletics. It's developing student-athletes to be leaders, but to also feel confidence um, when they leave our university because... If you don't know, student athletes, they have a very rigorous schedule already um, from practices to classes to weights to nutrition. They have everything all planned out for them in that regard. So they don't really have the time or they're not really afforded the, the time as typical students do to join different organizations. Like I said, like I got joined a sorority. They don't have that opportunity to be at all the time because of the time constraints that they have, or they don't have an opportunity to go on campus and, you know, hear about a speaker who's talking about branding or social media or professional etiquette. So our area and the area that I work in is just to providing them the the skills and the tools that they're needing um, to be the best versions of themselves outside of being an athlete. We build them professionally, personally, and we try to leave them with some leadership skills at the end of it all. So I think that's what's great about it. And I think more and more institutions are now looking to have student-athlete development professionals, student-athlete engagement professionals, because they know even if they do get drafted or if they get to the Olympics, they're still going to need those life skills. They're still going to need to know how to create a resume, how to write a cover letter, um, what's the best way to dress for an interview. And I think sometimes we overlook those things because sometimes people think it's just common sense, but 
you actually have to learn those skills. You have to learn how to be able to network and you have to be able to learn how to talk to different people. So um, our area provides things like that, as well as giving back to the community and giving their time and being selfless. So some of the aspects that you just mentioned that you cover, community engagement, networking, interview skills, resume writing, cover letter writing, are they in maybe you can speak specifically to your program at Texas A&M. Are you offering anything else in terms of quote unquote life skills? Like, is this (laughs) the only thing I can think of to compare it to is like a home economics class where you learn how to bake cookies, you learn how to sew, you know, things that you may or may not need, but are part of, you know, real life and things that you can do outside of sports and outside of school. So is there anything else that goes into it? Or is it really just those, those main things that you already talked to us about that is really the focus? I mean, I do think it's a lot deeper than that. So we also provide them like a, a space for just their concerns. So we have student athlete advisory committee, and that's a group of student athlete leaders who kind of are the student athletes who are able to like voice their concerns, voice their opinions and get things changed. So it goes deeper in as far as like policy. So like if there's a policy that they may not necessarily agree with when it comes to time demands or the amount of hours or travel, um, they can voice those opinions and they can take it all the way up to the NCAA and vote on it that way so that they can invoke change. And I think that is really cool um, of what we offer within student athlete development and uh, engagement. And at Texas A&M, we offer a lot more employer relations and employer engagement. So we have a lot of networking nights for student athletes to get face, face-to-face time with different employers who are hiring for internships and jobs and get them comfortable with just saying, okay, my name is XYZ and I'm on the track and field team or my name is XYZ and I'm on the football team. And I think that also builds up their confidence. So I think student athlete engagement is an opportunity to build student athletes' confidence outside of their sport so that they know that they're well-rounded individuals once they leave and they can say, I was able to get my degree. I was able to go pro if they do go pro. And if they don't go pro, like I have all these great qualities and great skills that I can now transfer into my job. And I know that a lot of the times, a lot of high positioning people, they were student athletes because they know what it takes to do it. And I think student athlete engagement here at Texas a we just are tapping into that and letting them know, like, you have all the skills that you need to be really, really great and super, super amazing. So let's just help you to see that as well. Okay, you have all of these great programs and all of these great areas where you can guide student athletes and help them unlock opportunities in the next phases of their lives. How does the relationship process work with them? Are they coming out to seek you? Because you already mentioned one of the biggest challenges is time. So I'd imagine that they have a challenge in time getting to you as well because they can't do anything else. They're traveling, they're working out, and then they're going to class and and everything. So how does the relationship, do they come to you? Do you come to them? It's a two-way street, I would say. 
we go to them. Um, so we have programmings and workshops that um, we offer to student athletes for them to attend. Um, so we'll have like a grad school informational night or we'll do something where a company will host like an informational about their company or how to use LinkedIn, um, for example. But when it comes to me and my role, the best thing that I've was able to do is like when they've attended a workshop or an event that I hosted, I really make time to really get to know them and reach out to them and say, Hey, I saw you at the event. How did you like it? And then from that point, they feel more comfortable. They feel more comfortable coming into my office in my space. And I've been able to really impact student athletes in that way. So like, even when they're up in our academic building, they will just come by and sit in you know, try to have conversations with me um, because they know that, you know, my office is really cool. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> they just like the fact that able to kind of relate to them in that way and give them a different perspective outside of the event when it's more of a formal um, atmosphere. Very cool. All right. One of the other aspects that we've connected on just you and I before, and I know is something that is something you are passionate about is women in sports and being able to push that along even further to where it's gotten to this point today. So where did that passion develop from and what are some of the aspects that you're hoping to accomplish with all of that? I just think women empowerment is super important. I think because I grew up with a single parent, um, my mom, she was able to tackle so much and then you have society say that women are not able to tackle so much. So I always had like conflicting views because I'm like, I'm looking at a woman who's able to have children, still get her master's degree, working on her PhD. And I'm like, so where is the disconnect? So I think <laughs> right. from seeing my mom doing all these really great things helped me to see like women are really, really cool and we can accomplish a lot of things as long as we don't let the noise of society get to us and then just being a woman in sports I think people automatically think you know men you know are stronger faster better but when you look at it we have some of the greatest women female athletes in the world like in our country so it just inspires me to say like there's more women CEOs now. There's more women athletic directors. There are more women who are CFOs. That is just inspiring because sometimes we can get stuck or we can become complacent with where we're at. But the work that we're doing is not always about ourselves. It's about the people that are going to come after us. And especially when you're a woman in sports, but you're a woman in color sports, you always have to think, okay, how am I going to be able to show somebody that looks like me that they can get to this position, they can get to this role? Because I think the biggest thing is just breaking down those barriers. And when you see somebody that looks like you, acts like you, talks like you in those roles, it makes it a little bit more appealing because you're like, well, I don't see anybody that looks like me. So I don't think that that's a position that I can go for. And I think that's what motivates me a lot of the time to do the work that I do. Um, and to do the work that I do very well, because I know that I'm not only representing myself, but other people who may look to this role and say like, well, I don't see anybody in that space that's a woman, or I don't see any space in that in that space that's a woman of color. So I always try to keep that 
in the back of my mind, but at the forefront of my mind as well when it comes to women and just the work that we can accomplish, especially when we do it together. And what a special perspective and self-awareness that is to know how important the work that you're doing is not just to yourself and your livelihood, obviously in your aspirations, but to future generations and to the younger generation specifically that's here right now and what they want to do. And they want to have role models and see people of color, see women in positions of leadership and influence. And I just want to commend you on that. I think that's such a unique perspective. I don't know that too many people really see the full picture in that way. And I think it's really cool that at such a young age, you've been able to have the self-awareness to know that the work you do is important for your livelihood, but it's also important for the people who are coming after you. Yes. And I also have two sisters. So I also think being able to show them a good example of that is also important because they also have my mom to look up to, but then they're like, Oh, well, my sister, she's doing really cool work and she works in sports and she's traveling and she's doing all these professional development workshops. So like, how can I, you know, step my game up or kind of aspire and do good work in the spaces that they are doing because we all work in different types of um, industries. So I also think that's really important as well. Absolutely. So very cool. And I've enjoyed this conversation so much, Nisha. And if people want to follow along with you and the development and engagement things that you're doing at Texas A&M, where can we find you on social media or on in the, excuse me, or on the internet? Um, so I have a Twitter page and it's Antonisha M and it's A-N-T-O-N-I-S-H-I-A-M. That's my Twitter. And then on LinkedIn, it's just my full name, Antonisha McCray. And I'd be happy to connect with anybody on those platforms. Beautiful. I will throw those into the show notes. Easy reference for anyone who's listening that does want to connect with you. So make sure you keep an eye out for those. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who want to <laughs> want to knock down your door after this conversation. So before I let you go, Nisha, the show is called Dynamic Leaders. And you have showcased in a number of different ways today your leadership, especially from that perspective that we talked about and understanding what the work you do means for future generations. But I'd love to give you an opportunity to shout out someone who is of influence in your own life, either from a leadership perspective or just in general. Do you have somebody that you want to give a quick shout out to? I do. So you all know I've been mentioning my mentor a lot. So I want to just shout out her really quick. Her name is Christia Worthy and um, she works at the University of Louisville. So shout out to her and then just shout out to my mom and then shout out to Lamar Pottinger, which I wasn't able to speak to him, speak much on him, but he's also been a male champion in my corner to help me to get where I'm at as well. So cool and such a great way to end this conversation. Nisha, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day and out of the important work that you're doing with student athletes to share everything that you did. It's really been a great conversation and I'm looking forward to seeing all the great things that you do in the future. Thanks, Colin. I appreciate it. It was a great time.